Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hey David. Eric, good to be talking again. We're always thankful for another opportunity to be recording together. Today, we're going to go off script a little bit, right? We're in the middle of a series on the individual business owner. Personally, what do we need to work on as leaders or our organizations? You and I were talking, there's so much going on in the world right now, so much in the news, especially the news that can affect small business owners and medium-sized business owners. All business (laughs) are affected by this. So we figured, let's pause. Let's go off script. Let's talk about what in the world is going on. We're recording this. This is end of March, early April we're recording this. This will probably come online first couple of days of April. Let's just talk about what's going on here, Eric. So yeah. Just to well, set the stage, there's a banking crisis all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, I think, you know, we've had a couple of bank failures here of late. We can talk a little bit about that and maybe what's behind some of that and whether or not that is likely or could potentially have more of a reverberating effect throughout the banking industry in general, or is it more isolated? And then I think just from an overall standpoint too, you know, the feds have continued to inch rates up a little bit. I think they've moderated some a little bit less rate increases than what were maybe originally anticipated, but they're still increasing and appear to be set to continue at that slower pace or at that slower rate through the end of the year. And so obviously today, definitely interest rates are significantly higher. And so that has some impact on us as business decision makers when it comes to the borrowing of funds for whatever purposes may be. So I think those are two major components of what's going on today that we need to talk about. Absolutely. Eric, so speaking of interest rates going up, I think it'd be really good to mention to the listeners, especially for anyone who was not listening to us in our very early episodes, we did say before interest rates really started going up that we were giving advice. Hey, this could be happening. Make sure you go convert your variable rates to fixed rates. For anyone who was listening back then and listened to us, they're probably very happy today that they did. So just folks, you get value here, right? I don't know what we're going to say today that's going to help you out tomorrow, but I hope there's something to it. The main thing when it comes to the rate is if you made the moves to fix six months to a year ago, then great. In the current environment, you're much better off. I think rates always cycle, as we know, David, and there's various reasons for the cycling of rates. Plenty of folks that I've spoken with in the banking industry right now believe that They're going to continue to raise rates through likely the end of the year. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens, say, coming around the end of the first quarter of 2023 and whether things start to moderate back. A lot's just going to depend on what's going on in the economy and with inflation. But gosh, I don't know about you, but inflation is another kind of 
overarching component that is impacting us right now. And I don't see anything moderating substantially. So I think all of that factors into some near term what's going to happen, that it's a choppy environment and we have to be aware of that. Absolutely. And Eric, I know you've pointed out before that my historic standards or rates today are not that high. No. They're probably still no. moderate or even a little on the low to moderate side compared to if you look back at the last half a century. But despite that, it's still, if you're a borrower, it's still nice to be locked into a fixed rate, 3% rates. <laughs> Macroeconomically, we know that's not good for society, not good for the economy. It's just not realistic. And, you know, quite frankly, I think we've really gotten so accustomed to this low rate interest environment that the discipline that we should always have on regularly in our business decisioning It's almost like the low interest rate environment de-risked our decisioning significantly. And so there were a lot of things, maybe some decisions and business decisions that we might not otherwise have made in a more normalized interest rate environment. We said, what the heck? You know, I mean, the interest rates are so low. The risk is so low on this thing. We'll go for it, regardless of some of the inherent risk within that business decision. So I think. Now, what it really does is it just should force us into greater discipline in our decisioning with respect to whether we're going to go in a certain environment or in a certain direction with our business if it involves a funding, debt funding. And uh, I think that's a good thing. Eric, we had an episode about four or five episodes ago about where we kind of really dove into interest rates, right? And their function in a healthy society. And so I'd recommend anybody go back to that. We'll put in the show notes exactly which episode that is. I don't remember, but we really dive into those mechanics. But today, Eric, let's link it with the banking things that are going on right now. A banking crisis. Some would say, no, it's a one-off. It's over. Others would say, no, it's only the beginning. But let's link these things because What I think a lot of people don't realize when we talk about interest rates and where they are, a lot of people, and I know I was one of these people at one time, just assume that the Federal Reserve just sets rates as if they have their meeting and they say, ah, by decree, the interest rate shall be 2.5%. And then it just is. That's actually not what happens. They have to do things. The Federal Reserve is bound by supply and demand, just like everyone else. They just have a whole lot of control over the supply of credit. And so they're able to almost unilaterally change it. And so if you'll notice when they release rates, it's actually, it's not a rate, it's a target. It'll be usually a tight range. Like for a long time, the target for the Fed funds rate was zero to 0.25%. And they're targeting that range. And what they're doing is they're introducing liquidity to the markets through excess reserves to their primary lenders. And by doing that, they're increasing the money supply. And by doing that, they're targeting an interest rate. And so what we have to realize is this kind of seems to make the foundation of what could be a crisis later is they're not just setting a rate. They're also either adding liquidity to the economy or removing it in order to target that. Well, when you set rates at almost zero for over a decade, you are every single moment that you're keeping rates artificially low, you're having to add more liquidity to the economy in order to do it you end up with an enormous increase in the money supply, which is what has happened. The final step that gets us to the banking crisis, and you hear a lot of people talking about this. I also have a buddy who is a CFO of a small bank in the area, and he's complaining about this, is a lot of banks, when these yields were so low, they, for better or for worse, sometimes they couldn't find yield, they invested in low-yielding 
bonds, either treasuries or other types of bonds that really give a low interest rate. And their problem is they start putting money in these things because they're struggling to get returns other places. And as long as rates stay low, this is okay. But the problem is now rates are going up. And when you say by rates, we mean Fed funds rates, we mean treasuries rates, right? So suddenly people say, I don't want this bond that pays a percent when I can go get what we call risk-free. I would not agree it's risk-free, but you can go buy what the market calls a risk-free treasury at a much higher rate. Why would you ever buy this bond from anybody? So the only way a bank can now get rid of this bond is by discounting it. The value of it is now much lower. And so that's my concern, Eric, is that we saw these banks start to fail in a particular sector. We saw them happen in banks that served primarily either tech or the crypto industry. A lot of people are assuming, well, hey, it's just that industry. And the banks that cater to the industry, they're going to have trouble. Everything else is going to be okay. My concern is that I don't understand exactly why it was that industry first, but that it's not just that industry. Banks in almost any industry that invested in long-term debt vehicles at low rates and now have bunches and bunches of these things are just struggling as rates go up. And I know my buddy who's a CFO of a smaller bank, they don't do any tech or crypto lending and they're not exposed to the industry at all, but they're still having a rough time. Now they haven't failed, but they're really having a rough time because they've got all these low yielding debt vehicles that they're, they're struggling to get out of. Right. Therein lies the distinction here that these recent bank failures were definitely more industry specific. And those industries were already having other issues. And it's not just necessarily tied to an interest rate issue for them, but those underlying clients or customers were having cash flow issues associated with what was going on in their industry. And so then that creates repayment issues for those banks that are very heavily engaged in those industries. And it's that cascading effect. And that's one thing. To me, the bigger issue is exactly what you spoke to, which is this CFO and this small bank. And I believe that there are a lot of other banks that are out there in that same mode who went long on their investments at very low interest rates. And now when interest rates are rising, it's a double whammy because in order for them to deploy into those higher rate investments, they have to get out of their existing investments, which are these low interest rate bonds. And so in order to do that, they have to sell off at a loss and that creates liquidity issues for them, cash flow issues for them because they're reinvesting, if you will, at a higher rate. But in order to do so, they're having to take losses. And how much of those losses can they sustain and for how long before they start having issues fundamentally? And then when you think about some of their typical ways to get additional liquidity has been from the feds and the feds now have raised their rates. Well, now all of a sudden their ability to gain liquidity to then invest in this current interest rate environment is pretty limited without taking it on the chin. And so that's that bigger fundamental issue that will be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, it'll be interesting to see how many of these banks were long and how long they're going to be able to last in this liquidity crunch that's coming for them. Yeah. I had 
dinner a week ago, two weeks ago, it was right after this whole banking thing had started, had dinner with a couple of bankers at what's probably at one of the top three or four banks in the country. They were telling me very similar things. They're saying one is cash is moving to their bank because people are very afraid of what's happening in the local banks. They're afraid the banks might fail. They figure the top few banks won't fail. So there's a big movement of cash out of these smaller banks to the bigger banks. Whether that's warranted or not, I don't know, but it certainly is creating a huge shakeup in the market. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal today, Eric, actually on their homepage talking about that's still going on, (laughs) is deposits keep moving around. And I mean, to the tune of billions and billions of dollars. So they were saying, yes, this is happening. This is unprecedented. The amount of cash is coming into our bank. It's good for them. It's not so good for the economy at large. And they were also saying, yes, because of these interest rate changes, there's no way that lending costs can stay where they are. They're going to have to go up because if a bank lends to people, they do so at a risk rate instead of a risk-free rate. Risk rates by nature have to be higher than risk-free rates. So in their opinion, it seemed that lending costs would be moving up in the near future. So Eric, maybe we can talk just, I want to just throw in 30 seconds on bond theory for anybody who doesn't understand why rates changing would make the value of this debt go down. And then we can talk about what do you do about it if you're a small business owner? What do you do if you're a manager of a lower middle market company? You've got 100, 200 employees, 10 employees. What do you do about it? But let's first, just for anybody who doesn't fully get this link, why interest rates changing is causing all these bank assets to be worth less. Let's say there's a bond, Eric, and it's a thousand dollars. It's a thousand dollar bond and there's a 1% coupon. A coupon is effectively like the amount of money that you have to pay if you owe money on the other side of this bond. So let's say right now I'm the holder of the bond and the bond pays a 1% coupon, which means that $10 a year this bond pays. And I'd like to sell this bond to you, Eric, but today rates are no longer 1%. Let's say they're 5%. Today, you could buy the bond from me or you could go into the market and buy a 5% coupon bond. Well, a 5% coupon bond pays $50 a year. So there's no way you would buy my bond for $1,000, which gives you $10 a year, when you could just go to any player in the market and just buy the exact same thing, but at a $50 coupon. So the only way I can entice you to buy my bond is to sell it to you for less than $1,000. I have to lower the price of my bond and I can't do the math on the fly that fast. With Excel, I could, but the idea is that I have to lower the price to something. I don't know what it would be, $700 or something in order for you to say, aha, well, now it's worth it for me to buy this $1,000 bond for only $700 because of the $10 coupon. And so if I'm a bank and I'm holding that bond, I now have to take a loss the moment I do that. So I can either hold it to maturity, which is a problem. I could do it, but it's a problem because now I'm only getting this 1% return and my shareholders are demanding a higher return because rates are higher these days. So I still have a problem even if I hold it or if I sell it, I have to instantly recognize a loss, a $300 loss all in one time period. And that also causes a big problem for me. Either way, it's a problem. And so that's a little bit behind why... We're saying people have to take losses on this. So, Eric, what do we do about it? You've been running a business. You're Main Street, not Wall Street. You've got 100 employees. You're making your way. You're trying to emerge from your peers, make an excellent company, trying to make a purpose-filled company, love your people, build your people up. And now you've got this going on. What do you do about it? How do you embrace it? How do you react to it? How do you rise above it? Yeah, there's a few things there. I'd say, one, you have a current banking relationship. It would be good that 
you really understand the positioning of the bank that you're dealing with. How are they invested? Diving deeper, asking questions of them. And you got to be asking the questions to the right people because it might be that loan officer who just wants to tell you everything's fine and hunky smunky when it's not. But there's ways to find out where the bank's positioning is, where their funding is coming from, and whether they're having any issues right now. That's one. Make sure that you've got a good banking relationship with a bank that's well positioned, that isn't overly leveraged, isn't very long on bonds, things of that nature. I think to the extent that you can figure that out, I think that would be important. Two is is to know that whether you have existing debt now or you're looking at perhaps needing debt capital for a particular project expansion, what it may be, know that interest rates are going to be higher than they have been in the most recent eight to 10 years. And know that because of that, we have to be that much more diligent in our analysis of the opportunity and knowing that we're going to be applying a much higher rate on any debt. And that means that the risk is going to be higher on that particular project. And so doubling down, if you will, on the planning side of things to make sure that we are very, very comfortable with the opportunity and the return on that opportunity and the riskiness of that opportunity. I think those are two key things that we can do in the current environment, but I'm sure you have plenty of other thoughts there. Well, Eric, I mean, I think it's very similar. I think too, I would not recommend anyone think, hey, this is a one-off event and everything's going to be okay. I hope that people can listen to this later and say, David was so ridiculous, he thought there might be an issue. That'd be great for that to be the outcome. I'm just worried that there's more coming, that there are more banks teetering, that the Federal Reserve has kind of got themselves into a trap. And so I think it's possible that rates could stay where they are. It's possible they could go back down. But I think living with a higher interest rate environment is probably going to be where we're going to be for a while. And so I think it's important to, to the extent that you can get fixed rate financing over variable rate financing. I think that's more valuable today than it was 10 years ago to the extent that you can lock rates in, to the extent that you can learn how to maybe live with less leverage, right? So at first stress test your models, your business model and say, okay, what if rates went up two more percent right now? Would that be the end yeah. of us? Or would life just be a little bit more difficult? Because if you're saying, wow, if rates went up two more percent, we couldn't live, then I think you've got to start putting in plan the place now to pivot, to adjust your model, to realize this is no longer a negligible possibility. It is a real possibility that they could go up from here. And we don't like that, but it's certainly a real possibility. So make sure that you're not going to live or die by one or 2% on your interest rate. And if you are, pivot, figure it out now. Don't wait until then to figure it out. Yeah. Sage advice. So I'm sure there's plenty more and we'll be following this folks as it goes on. Hopefully there's no need to do any more episodes on this and it goes away. Should this continue to be a challenge, we'll check back in periodically with current event episodes and give it kind of a play-by-play and our opinion as it all unfolds. So with that, we'll wrap here. Join us next time as we get back to our series on, I never know how to say it, Eric, but our series on the individual, or the individual leader, we'll call it that, the individual leader of the organization. So join us next time, folks. 